And we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Winthrow. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. I hope you're ready because we have a lot of uh, items to go through today, but we're going to go through a lot of them fast. It's a lot of uh, not too in-depth news. A few more interesting items later on on the show, so stay tuned for that. If you guys have any questions at the later part of the show, we're going to uh, answer them live. So you can put them in the comment section right now. I'm going to get to it. It can either be like a direct question or a topic you want us to discuss for this week. Uh, if you can do it in all caps when it's an actual question, uh, please do. And you can keep the conversation lower cap when you guys are just chatting between one another about what we discussed, because uh, you're also welcome to do that, of course. All right, let's start with the um, version 4 of the Tesla Mobile app uh, was released this week. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty significant update, especially in terms of the uh, UI itself. So it's a full-on UI refresh. And um, if you guys have been following us for the last few months, we've been, we've been saying that, that there's a big update to the Tesla app coming, and it's going to emphasize... It's going to emphasize users that are not necessarily Tesla owners. Um, there's a lot of groundwork being done for that. This is this is like the big first step. There was a whole redesign of uh, how Tesla handles the supercharger payment and history in the app, uh, streamlining this whole experience right there. So this, this is the first step from when Tesla opens up the supercharger network to non-Tesla owners, and uh, they're going to do that through the app too. So the app is going to become a big way to onboard non-Tesla owners uh, into the Tesla ecosystem. And um, it's no coincidence that uh, the, the, one of the big first steps too, Tesla is bringing up the order uh, the, the order process through the Tesla app. So you can manage your whole order process through there, which uh, is, is, it be, it turns the Tesla app more into a, a selling tool than an ownership experience tool like it used to be. And, uh, and I mean, the, the Tesla app has always been a very important part of uh, the Tesla ownership experience. Of course, in some of the cars, that at some point, it was the only option for keys, uh, the Model 3 and Model Y. Of course, Tesla has since introduced the key fob in it. Well, I mean, there's always the key card, but that's obviously suboptimal. But uh, yeah, now uh, if we look at the, we just, Seth and I were just discussing the, the app right before we went on, and we were discussing the comments from uh a designer friend who wasn't really uh, happy about the the update, but personally, I, I I like it a lot. Like, yeah, the comment that the font are a bit small. I would uh, I would agree with that. The font are all a bit small, but other than that, I really like the redesign. I really like the renders of the cars. If yeah. you're a multi Tesla product owner like I am, uh, it's very useful. You just click on your profile and you see all your cars there are showing up. And if you have uh, like set, you have Tesla power walls and shit like that. Uh, you can uh, you can see that too, and um, I didn't on this one here. I don't have the actual. Uh, I, that's why I made another article about it this morning because I completely forgot about uh, looking into the Tesla energy part of the of the app because this is the complete new redesign for that too, uh, and you can see it here an example on the Tesla solar roof. Uh, but here are the, the 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 statistic part is more what people are looking for here. Uh, you can see the flow of energy, but very similar to the previous design. Uh, but this is the completely redesigned data center for the your your energy product. I would I would, I would call it. Is there an actual mm-hmm. name for that? Impact? No. Is it called Impact? I think it's it's the uh, the menu items Impact. Okay. Um. Yeah, it looks good. It looks clean. This is a, I found this example here, courtesy of Martin Coyle, uh, where you see an actual uh, Tesla commercial project. Uh, then you redesign for the page two with the power pack. This is a, I don't think people see that often because there's not that many of those projects, and they I are th- mainly. I think if you're in California, you get to opt into the um, the virtual power plant plan, the VPP or whatever. Mm-hmm. from the app as well i saw someone on twitter um oh that, i got to check that out that could be interesting yeah uh yeah it's a, a significant redesign uh looks looks cool to me the, the in terms of new features it's not that heavy and you do for the energy side you do have a one click button to go off grid uh set you you had a few examples of where that could be um where that could how that could be useful yeah you can uh you know if you're 
getting a new air conditioner installed, like like I had recently, um, you can test to see if the batteries um, can handle the load by themselves. So when your power does go out, uh, you've you've been fully tested. Also, mm-hmm. if you know there's going to be a power outage, you know maybe a storm, but mm-hmm. more likely, you know some work's being done on the lines. You can go off grid um, before that happens, so that uh, you know your laptop or your desktop doesn't uh, power down and all your clocks don't go haywire when when the power does come off and you do switch over to uh, the island situation. Yeah, not just a power company like doing work too, but in some places like in California, there's often there's like planned brownouts and things yeah. like that. Like these these are becoming more and more common. So uh, if your power company notifies you that it is coming, you can just go off grid, like you said. Um, in terms of uh, other feature, uh, the widget uh, they introduced uh, the widget for uh, on on your lock screen or on your control screen, however they call it, mm-hmm. uh, you can add, have a direct uh, look at uh, things like your, your is it lock on unlock or you can actually toggle that to uh, battery capacity, charging session, and all and all that stuff. That's uh, I'm not a big widget user on a, on my iPhone, but uh, for those who are, this is going to be really helpful. Uh, enhanced phone key uh, support uh, vehicle no longer needs to be selected uh, so this this is a big deal for again uh, multiple Tesla vehicle owners uh, you, you don't yeah, that's have a big to, one yeah you don't for those people who don't know if you have several vehicle uh, you, your app needs to be n- not open but when it's open it needs to be on the car that you are going to use uh, which doesn't sound like a big deal but I mean sometimes I get because I have three three cars on my Tesla app and they all getting used by different people. Like in, I, I use my model three, my parents use my model S and actually I have um, Chris Payne using my model X right now in California. Uh, Chris Payne, the, the director of uh, uh, who killed the electric car. And sometimes I get alerts for whatever reason about a specific car. And if I do get an alert about this specific car, it actually automatically changes my app to that car so uh, to be fair i reduce all the alerts on the car to the minimum so i don't get too much but if like if there's a software update for example on a specific car then my my app switches to this one and the next time i go up to my car and it doesn't unlock automatically automatically i need to go back in my app and switch to the the right car and then i can go back in you don't need to do that anymore which uh, it, it makes sense because unless like so the worst case scenario is if you have all your cars at the same place and you walk up to them and then all of them unlocks at the same time, but like how big of a problem that is, really, uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, but um, yeah, that, that that's a big change. Uh, what else? Uh, Streamline summon experience. I, I haven't tried that yet, to be honest. Summon is not a big feature for me. I know you use it a little bit more because your garage is kind of tight. Uh, yeah, you, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but um, yeah. I haven't tried it with the new app yet. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, yes, yeah, so all the shopping experience now inside the app, including the Tesla like accessory shop, it's in there too. All right. Other thing I want to talk about is uh, Tesla is making some interesting moves into the uh, energy space, and uh, we we, we kind of touch it uh, a little bit with the, the new app. But there, we, we reported a lot lately on Tesla making move on the retail electricity market, which. Other than selling solar energy, solar energy system at the residential level, Tesla hasn't really entered that as a like a regular uh, electric utility like it's like it's doing now. But um, the um, we we've seen it in the UK, the UK with their partnership with the uh, Octopus Energy, I think they call. Uh, they uh, they give you the Tesla Energy Plan that it's called, so you 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 get fixed. Uh, kilowatt a rate per kilowatt hour for all your your needs at, at your house. Uh, it can include a power wall, it can include solar, uh, it can include also a charger, vehicle charging, and so basically Tesla is starting to own the entire electricity experience from producing it, uh, selling it to customers, and consuming it inside your uh, a vehicle, like an electric vehicle, your Tesla vehicles. Uh, so we've seen that happening in the UK. Uh, there's also the virtual power plant that is it, it's pretty much like that since uh, even though Tesla doesn't generate necessarily the electricity that goes into your power wall, it can sell the electricity that goes out of it uh, and money there's money to be made if, if you have a different rate 
uh, with, with peak power output and, and all that stuff. And now in Texas, with Texas as a very particular uh, energy market, uh, extremely deregulated compared to the rest of uh, uh, the the U.S. and the rest of the world, really. And uh, it's it had this, its issues this year, uh, with uh, especially in February when there was a lot of winter storms and extremely cold temperature for for the Texan climate, and uh, it, it was uh, brutal. I mean uh, the the grid went down for days in some places. Uh, over a hundred people died. A lot of them from carbon monoxide poisoning, which was kind of crazy. Like the people would start their car inside their their garage and things like that. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I, the, the grid itself was was criticized for it. Like it, even though there were extreme temperatures, uh, it should have been able to handle it. But the the fact that it's extremely derogated, that there's a ton of players. I mean, that's like the Texas free market, like that's like the big thing in Texas. Uh, and I mean, I, I find it interesting because I'm not against it in in principle. But you, you look everywhere else, and the the electricity market are extremely close to either monopolies or or ugly uh, oligopoly. Or was it, what was the other one? Duopolis, or uh, I think it's Ogly, something like that. Uh, I might be mistaken. Uh, yeah, something like that. About like just a, a few different companies hold an entire market together. And that's generally the case for electric utilities. I mean, here in Quebec, it's a complete monopoly, and it's actually government-run because uh, Hydro Hydro Quebec is the only electricity provider in Quebec, and it's it's owned by the government, so it's owned by the people. Um, but in other market, if you go to California, for example, there's a like three big electric utilities. Um, but there's there's more than that too. There's like local one in Los Angeles and things like that. But uh, for the most part, it's like three big ones. In Texas, there's a hundred and twenty of them, over a hundred and twenty of them, and uh, some better than others. <laughs> and with what happened earlier this year, a lot of them like fell too, like went bankrupt and lost. Tons of money. The, the the cost of the um, winter storm last year was put at over ten billion dollars, uh, that that the state had to cover because a lot of those companies went bankrupt. And um, yeah, it, it was uh, it wasn't great. <laughs> but that, what it did though, it, it turned a lot of people to energy storage because that's the solution to your grid lacking stability and la- lacking. A robustness it's it's having your own energy storage capacity at your house even better if you have your own solar uh energy generation with solar panels but yeah the main thing was the energy storage market which tesla already dominates with the powerwall of course there's some issues with powerwall production right now in terms of battery capacity and even chip shortage is affecting powerwall production so there's uh there's limitation on there but the on the demand side it went through the roof in texas because of the situation and uh, now Tesla is looking to take it a step further, and they actually want to become a full-fledged electricity retailer in Texas. So Texas Monthly revealed uh, revealed that this week through an official filing that Tesla made with the Public Utility Commissions of Texas, and uh, they stated that they wanted they, they have this new Tesla Energy Ventures business, business that they filed in, in the state. Uh, and the earlier this month, they filed with the uh, Utility Commission to become a retailer. It's not exactly here what form that will take. The most likely outcome is Tesla will will create another sort of virtual power plant like they're doing right now in California and a few other markets where they will combine all their power walls, all the uh, solar generation that is decentralized on everyone's rooftop and uh, use that power collectively to provide grid services uh, through the, the the, the broader Texas grid that is managed by a nonprofit entity that deals with all those 120 plus players in there so tesla would become a new one that's gonna um have basically decentralized for the most part decentralized energy assets but what we learned to the finding too is that tesla plans to also have giant battery system like they do in other markets to uh, to provide services we previously learned from one that's uh, planted in uh, near uh houston and um that was a hundred megawatt one but uh, a new one that was revealed to the filing is uh, at the Gigafactory Texas. Tesla planned a 250 megawatt system 
not not clear what's the energy capacity of it, but if the power capacity is 250 megawatts, this, this is a big system. Could even yeah. be like a, a gigawatt hour system. I, uh, I don't know. The uh, I don't know if the it's not in the filing or if it's just uh, I didn't see the original filing. I had to rely on local uh, reporting from Texas Monthly. Well, yeah, this this is a big deal. Like Tesla is looking to enter the energy market in Texas in a big way, and uh, it's an interesting one because again, the the market is extremely deregulated, so things can move fast. Of course, I, uh, there's there's still a limitation. I think it's going to be Powerwall pro, um, production because I'm fairly convinced that Tesla can sell every Powerwall that they can produce in Texas alone. It's going to be interesting. Uh, still in the same vein, there was another report because we talked about the UK, talked about California, talked about Texas. But another place where Tesla is becoming an energy retailer is in Germany. In South Germany, Tesla also have their energy plan there to have a specific electricity rates. And Germany is another interesting market because Germany electricity rates are pretty high, uh, again, depending on the, on the market. So it's a big country. But uh, in South Germany, Tesla has entered a market the same way that we just described. And Endelsblatt had a, a report on it where they interview a bunch of other electric utility executive there. And uh, they were quite honest, again, anonymously, about uh, the impact that they think that Tesla is going to have on the market. Uh, they are taking the company extremely seriously. Of course, they just invested uh, several billion dollars in Gigafactory Burn, and like they are pretty serious about the German market. But they uh, they were especially impressed by the auto bidder software that Tesla has. That uh, it's kind of an underdog on the on the energy market, uh, where uh, we, we previously discussed. It's one of the Tesla's uh, application of AI outside of self driving, and it's uh, it's basically creates some kind of platform where you can control all your energy assets, uh, the mega packs, power packs, power wall that you have on a certain market. And uh, then you use machine learning to optimize the monetization of those assets by offering grid services and, and, and selling the energy from those, those assets to, I mean, mainly the grid, I would assume, or depending on the market, like for example, Texas, it's the, what do you call the ERCOT, I think, something like that? That's the acronym for the the, the, the entity that manages the, the grid there. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very important tool. And Tesla manages its own energy assets on it, but it also provides it for other company that owns batteries, and a lot of them own Tesla batteries. For The best example is, of course, the big Tesla battery, they call it, in South Australia. Uh, that is owned by Neon, which is a French company, uh, but they manage it through the auto bidder. Apparently, that's what that's what Tesla says. But it was interesting to get some uh, frank comments from power uh, utility companies that were like, "Yeah, yeah, this is going to be a big deal for us." That's <laughs> like, good. Yeah, because they don't they don't get a lot of competitions. Like, they, like no. it's not. Um, I mean, Texas apparently they do. Like they try to get in each other territory. But like you go in California and it's either like Edison's or. Uh, Southern, uh, Southern something. What's the name? Southern Edison's, I think, or, or Pacific. Uh, like they all have those names. Right, it's all <laughs> yeah. Edison. Yeah. Um. All right. Moving on to the mole. Why the first deliveries started in Europe uh, this week? Uh, this is from the Bormut. <laughs> Not great. When I need to get better at the the German name since we're going there, uh, going there on Saturday, but. Uh, uh, the uh, those are of course uh, made in China. Model Y vehicles that uh, arrived on the market. We reported uh, last week that there were eight thousands of them that were shipped last month, and they arrive uh, in the, over the last two weeks, and now they're getting delivered already. So this is uh, th- this is kind of a compromise basically from Tesla, because uh, of course Tesla was supposed to start Model Y production at Gigafactory Berlin in July. It didn't happen. The new goal is October apparently. Uh, whether that Tesla can achieve that is, is, is unknown. It's not only up to them. They also need to still have the government approval. And uh, and, and now, but now in the meantime, they decided to ship them from Shanghai was um, overproducing really. Like, uh, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say necessarily overproducing, but they, they definitely got there a lot faster than anyone would think and got there a lot faster than, than Berlin, though they had a head start, obviously. But the ramp up specifically is, is quite impressive for Tesla in, in Shanghai. And uh, now they have uh, they added the new Model Y there. 
So I don't know how people are seeing it there in Europe. Like if uh, if they would prefer like to wait for the European made Model Y, or they okay with? Well, obviously some of them are okay with the made in China. And then that I guy don't is. Think, yeah, that guy seems to. I mean, that guy was apparently the very very first uh, Model Y owner yeah. in Europe. So good for him. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the made in China Model Y, but I'm just saying that the new Model Y in Berlin was supposed to come with significant improvements right. with the structural battery pack, the 4680 cells. Even though uh, at the last earning report, Elon kind of hinted that at least they have a contingent plan if the 4680 and the structural battery pack aren't ready, they're going to produce the new Model Y with 2170 cells, which would be kind of disappointing because... The, yeah, that, I feel like this is a change of plan. Weren't they? Didn't they say that the only Model Ys in Europe were going to come from the Berlin factory? Yeah, that was the original plan. Yeah, yeah. So they changed. Also, there was supposed to be a uh, paint shop from the you know for the Model Y that was going yeah to be the yeah the, the next right. level. So the new Model Y, the European main Model Y, was supposed to come with more paint option and have even better paint too uh, because of like the highest like state of the art paint shop in the world. Um. They have these uh, these shirts. They made these shirts with the Model Y launch in, in, in Europe. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't, I don't know if they are on the Tesla shop yet, but that's uh, quite an aggressive Y on your shirt there. It's almost like a, uh, a propeller, like a uh, wind wind turbine. <laughs> almost, yeah. Almost. Um, yeah, still on the Model Y, but now the rear-wheel drive standard range version, uh, while the, the, the long-range version launched in Europe, in China, they started delivering these the rear-wheel drive standard range version, which uh, come with LFP battery cells, and uh, just like the standard range Model Three. And um, now they're already starting to deliver that. That's actually early for again. Shanghai is extremely impressive, but they were they were talking about the September for the first delivery. So now they beat that by uh, a few weeks. So good for them. And then now there's a lot to be uh, said about the uh, standard range Model uh, Model Y because. It might be coming to us. It might be coming to uh, to other market. Uh, Tesla has uh, like launched it briefly for us uh, earlier this year, and then took it back. Uh, the um, but uh, the, well, they said that uh, they didn't like the range. The range was too short. But uh, we, there was some impressive uh, development with the LFP battery cells. The Model Three. The Model 3, and we're going to get to that two standard range plus, has been getting only like very shorter, like just a 10 mile difference with the normal uh, NCM battery chemistry. Uh, yeah, we're gonna. That's the next one. Hey, I'm uh, this week. I'm good with the chronology of my articles that I put in. So yeah, good speaking transition. of that. Speaking of that car, so Tesla yesterday sent this uh, this email to Model Three Standard Range Plus buyers in the U.S. Uh, it was a few years, a few weeks ago, we reported on the fact that Tesla pushed the delivery timeline for new orders all the way to 2022, to January and February 2022. So that's a significant timeline for for, for, for the car. There were there were speculation: is it about the chip shortage? Is it about battery shortage? Is the demand just too strong? We know that the U.S. demand has been very strong this year for Tesla. But uh, really that strong, like a six-month lead for, for that car. But, uh, yeah, now what happened is that people that did place that those those order for Model 3 Standard Drain Plus started receiving an email this week. It was all the same email. And uh, the email, I mean, I know I sound like a broken record all the time. This, this communication is horrible, but this is a pretty good example here. Like you need, you need to know what you're talking about. You need to be uh, at least somewhat connected to to the Tesla world to even have an idea of what they're saying here, because it's it's kind of all over the place. I I, I had so many people send me that email. I was like, what what are you even telling me here? Like, I, I guess I can get my car sooner. It's a European car. Like, what what are they say, saying? So let me just read it to you, like the main part here, so 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 you can understand. We are contacting you about your Model 3 Standard Range Plus, currently estimated for delivery near the end of the year. Uh, we'd like to offer you the opportunity to receive your car even sooner due to limited... So- well, yeah, by the way, uh, some people that had a 2022 have, have seen a revised delivery timeline that was in Q4 this year. Um, so that's why it's the end of the year and even sooner because it's not, a, it's not really that soon. Uh, continuing the quote... Due to uh, limited supply and strong de- customer demand, we are introducing the Model 3 Standard Range Plus battery pack, 
which we already release in Europe and Asia to North America. The battery pack has a range of 253 mile estimate. So, so it, released in Europe and Asia, that seems like it should say Asia and then eventually in Europe like a few days ago. Uh, well, no, a few days ago was the Model Y. The Model 3 right. has been the, 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 the Made in China Model 3. For how long, how long has the LFP been in Europe? Uh, months, uh, a few okay. months at least. But, uh, I mean, it's uh, it, what makes no sense is here, we are introducing the Model 3 Standard Range Plus battery pack. Like, what, 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 what does that mean? There, there's already a Standard Range Model 3 Plus in the U.S., yeah. And it has a battery pack. Like they don't specify the difference with the battery pack at all. Uh, and then they say which we already released in Europe and Asia. So if if you know about Tesla a little bit more, then you understand that they're talking about the LFP battery pack that that is now standard for the uh, standard range plus Model Three in Asia and Europe. And those are made at Gigafactory Shanghai. Uh, so so knowing that, you could assume that is is this a Chinese car? Or is it a car that's shipping from China? Uh, I wouldn't assume that. I think it's it's more that Tesla is now getting LFP cells from China and making the pack, or maybe the pack are even made in China, and they they are but they are making. I would assume that they're still making the car in Fremont with cells and or battery pack from China with LFP uh, chemistry, and the range will indicate that. Uh, so two fifty three that would be their their EPA estimate, and. Um, we're gonna to have to have a new APA ratings on this, though, if it has a new battery pack. And two fifty three would be ten miles fewer than the current Model Three Standard Range Plus made in uh, in Fremont. But again, this is extremely poor communication. Like we, we there's assumptions that need to be made and everything. Uh, Elon confirmed on Twitter later on that it has the LFP battery pack, but I don't think he elaborated on on that. Like based on his comment, could still be China, could still be. Uh, US, but it has LFP. Uh, though we were discussing it, I think if it has an LFP, I mean, the, at least the cells have to be from China. I think they are. The yeah, I think I, I don't think anybody in the US or mm. even anywhere outside of China mm. is producing LFP. I think mm. a lot of the patents for LFP batteries until like next year are exclusively Chinese. So mm. we know the battery, the actual cells are Chinese. We just don't know if the pack itself is where it was made or when they were packed up. Yeah. And for anyone who don't know, uh, like a quick summary of, of LFP or really iron phosphate cells versus the more common NCM and NCA um, chemistries in lithium-ion battery cells, the, the advantage versus disadvantage, LFP has historically been uh, heavier, so less energy dense at the weight level. So that's not great for electric cars. It's It's been mostly used like in buses and, and bigger vehicles like that b- before. And smaller passenger car where your weight to energy ratio is very important. Uh, people went with higher energy density stuff. But there's been a lot of improvement over the last few years, especially from CATL, which supplies LFP cells to Tesla. They have made improvement on that, um, which which get it a lot closer. And there your example there, 253 miles versus 263 for the um, current version. There's some advantages where uh, it doesn't this it, it doesn't it's not affected as much uh, by battery degradation if you charge to 100%. So Tesla and every other automaker uh, recommends not to charge your car to 100% uh, to keep it to 80, 90, which is not a problem for your day-to-day driving. But if you want long-distance travel and you charge it to 100%, you want to limit that as much as possible. That's not as big of a concern for LFP. So whether uh, depending on how you use your car, that could be an advantage to you or not. Uh, there's an advantage on safety, uh, to a degree, but uh, of course, with other chemistries, though automakers try to mitigate that at the module or at the pack level to make it safer. But at, at the cell itself, uh, it's easier to make it safer than uh, um, another chemistry. Like if you get punctured or something, if the cell itself get punctured, it's uh, the, the thermal runway event is a, a lot less drastic than uh, any other cells. It just doesn't go as crazy with the like fireworks. <laughs> so there's there's two questions in the comments. We'll you know get ahead of ourselves here. But uh, Luke Miller says, is it true that there are complaints in China about Model 3 LFP cold weather performance? Have you heard anything about that? 
Yeah, uh, there, there, there have been some complaints early on about it, and uh, I would assume that it's linked to the timing <laughs> because right. it was first released in the winter. Uh, they, when it when it arrived in Europe, it was uh, like later on in the winter, and there the, were some tests that was achieved because, uh, of course, we're more connected to the European market than we are in, in China, and uh, the, there was a noticeable uh, performance issue, but it, it's not drastic. Um, and yeah, I mean that could definitely be a problem for the North American market, especially like in Canada or the Northeast. Like this is uh, this might not be ideal. Yeah, and then one more question: What is the charging speed for the LFP cells? I didn't, I don't know if it's the same uh, speed as regular. I uh, I would need to see a full charging session, but I think in terms of peak charging, I think it's very similar. All right. I don't know about the full charging session though. But yeah, these cars are apparently coming as soon as next month in September. So that's uh, that would uh, give Tesla the opportunity to deliver some of those cars by the end of this quarter, which is always the goal. Always the goal. But it, it would also indicate that the bottleneck right now might be more the, the cells than the, the chip uh, shortage for, for Tesla and the Model 3. Maybe. Uh, we got a new timeline for the full self-driving public release, um, full self-driving beta public release, the, the download button as it uh, has been known now. So last week, you know, I was talking about not being a fan of the 9.2 version in beta release, and uh, but saying that he was testing himself the 9.3 version and he was really liking it. So, uh, and prior to that, he had linked the wider release to a 9.2 the 9.2 release, having then a 9.3 testing that, then maybe a 9.4, and then switching to version 10 for the wider release. And he, he said in about a month, and that was a few weeks ago, though. And uh, now what he's saying is that it sounds like they're going to skip the whole 9.3, 9.4, and the, what he previously referred to as 9.3 would become the version 10 already, which he says is going to get to the early access fleet uh, next Friday. So next Friday, the early access program should get version 10 of Tesla's uh, FSD beta software. And from that point, he says uh, about four weeks for the public release. Uh, again, take a whole what I just said with a grain of salt because he's been wrong plenty of time with that. He just, we, just, we were just discussing earlier the, his, uh, his comment about Elon being extremely surprised if the FSD button comes after June, which was uh, two months ago. No, that that was May, I think. Uh, he said May for like one release, but he said the June would be like if it, if the if FSD button download button oh, comes right. after June, he would be tweet. he would be surprised. So All right, Nurburgring, Germany. A lot of Germany stuff this week. Um, going to be even more next week probably since we're going to be there. But uh, yes, uh, Tesla has been talking a lot about bringing back the Model S Plaid to Nurburgring uh, after the. Was in 2019 where where the coincidentally or not probably not when uh, Porsche released the Taycan, they um they started uh, they started testing in on the Nurburgring racetrack and achieving some good time and uh, Elon sort of uh, saw it as a little bit of a competition and he brought his own Model S uh, Plaid prototype at the time uh, that was 2019 and the, the car was supposed to come out at the end of that year I think or or the next year I don't. Know. Don't remember the exact timing. It just, but it was pushed as as we now know, and uh, he, uh, they were achieving some good times there, a seven seven minute la- lap, and uh, of course, Nurburgring. If you're not familiar with it, is a traitorous uh, racetrack. It's extremely difficult. It's uh, kind of a proving ground in Europe. Like if you can achieve a good time on it, you have a a good track car. And uh, now, finally, they are testing it again with the production version, or at least. Production version, not necessarily stock. Of course, Tesla has been known to make like racetrack improvement on on, on their cars, but uh, based on at least the production uh, powertrain that uh, is is already on the market, Tesla has been delivering the car for a few months now. But um, Dale Lomas is uh, an expert of uh, the Nurburgring track. He's uh, always watching the track and everything, and uh, he reported that Tesla was testing the vehicle this week and actually had an accident with the car. Uh, so apparently the prototype, or not necessarily a prototype, but the Moles Plaid uh, impacted a, a barrier at the Clos Turtle sector. So it's apparently a very uh, 
uh, difficult part of the track and it hit the barrier. Apparently, the the driver wasn't wasn't injured, <laughs> but they noted the the way that it came out. The, the news came out. It was the because. Uh, Corvette with their their uh, ZOX uh, prototype was trying to achieve a new lap record uh, with, with the car, and uh, both the Model S accident and also a BMW M8 test mule uh, crash on the on the track, and uh, it uh, it screwed their, their lap that the lap record attempt for the Corvette. So, do we know if there was a uh, a steering wheel or a? Uh... No, we we don't know apparently. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna know a lot more about it soon. I, I'm sure if if Tesla has a vehicle there, they probably have more than one, and they're probably gonna release some 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 promotional image or even some actual lap time soon. I mean, they changed the yoke before. Do you think they would change it for this, or do you think that like Tesla wants to get well, a record s- with the yoke? Yeah, since Elon did say that. Um, it did say that Tesla is not going to offer an option, a non-yoke option, a fully round steering wheel option. I would, I would assume that now they kind of have to stick to the yoke to for any kind of demonstration or anything like that. Yeah, it would make sense. But yeah, I mean the the yoke, like everybody, I agree with it. In low speed, it's it's far from ideal. Like it's not as good as a round steering wheel. Sorry for high speed though. This doesn't change anything. Like it's it's perfectly fine. All right. Um, okay, this, this is a very interesting one this week uh, that came out. So, in um, was it in April? In March. So, in March of this year, there was a, a fire in Dallas that uh, a big fire that uh, the whole city saw, um, and um, there was a few media report on it locally, and they blamed the Tesla vehicle that exploded uh, on. They said that, that that's what might have started the fire because a Tesla, a Tesla car, a Tesla Model Y, a brand new Tesla Model Y was involved in the fire. I mean, it, it got it got burned, but uh, the and there was an explosion that happened. And but the media said that the Model Y exploded, which it clearly didn't. And the um, kind of, I mean, in some cases, just insinuated, and another case, straight up said it that the Tesla vehicle was uh, the cause of the fire. But uh, interestingly. Someone bought the salvage vehicle. Uh, Green, of course, famous Tesla,ker friend friend of Electric. Uh, Green it wasn't him that bought the vehicle, but he knows the the person that bought the salvage vehicle. The person that's what they do the uh, dismantle salvage vehicle, and they managed. They they look in the glove box and they found the drive. The USB drive was still there. It wasn't intact. I have a picture of it here. Uh, it wasn't intact. It was pretty pretty banged up, but it actually still had the files on it. So they took the files from it, and you could clearly see from the video that the 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 smoke, the the fire, uh, is coming out of the house of. Or it's not a house. I think it's an apartment building, but uh, the the fire comes from the apartment building, and then reaches to the car from the apartment building. Uh, and another v another angle here, you can actually see that the car is plugged in. And the the owner or the the owner of the car at least is inside the vehicle, right? And then, that's what's weird because that seems kind of sketchy. Like, why would she be in the vehicle watching the fire? Well, I I think she like like you see like so the timing of it is not the same here. So now you see the smoke coming out of the houses on this side here, and the owner is like is coming out, and like they just they just figure it out now, and they're like, oh, I need to get the hell away from here. But technically, she, the car the car was plugged in. But technically, she should have been able to unplug the car and get away from it, and the car would have been fine. But you see, she—I mean, I'm not, I'm not blaming her, of course. Like, hey, you kind of panic when, <laughs> when when there's a fire like that happening. So she she ran the, the furthest away that she that she could, and uh, I think she's on the phone right now calling um, calling the emergency services. But um, yeah, I mean, l- look, if you have an electric car fire. You, most likely the battery pack is the problem. And look at the battery pack here. The battery pack clearly didn't catch on fire. Uh, there was some... Uh, this, uh, this, I think it's more like uh, issues with uh, what they use to extinguish the fire, but the the, car, the pack itself is fine. Like it's, it's, There's nothing wrong with it. So, Kessa um, kind of got vindicated by its own sentry mode after uh, someone bought the salvage cars. So it's kind of, kind of an interesting outcome here. I wonder if that... Was that USB key metal? Would that have did that save the the data? It looked kind of like yeah. It looks one. like the outside is is kind of middleish. Yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't be, have one. 
if that's going to be like a upgrade that people want, like a a black box for your hmm. for your data. I thought it was interesting though that anyone could. Well, I mean, it's kind of on the owner to not remove it before like it gets to the insurance company and salvage and everything. But uh, that anyone can just grab that key and like watch all your videos of uh, Sentry Mode or, or dash cam on it. Uh, I mentioned that to Green, and Green, of course, is is well known for like finding new features before they release in the in the software. And he, he said that he did uh, see indication that Tesla is working on encrypting those those files, so there's going to be a way to encrypt them and only have like a password to to be able to see them, which uh, I think makes sense in terms of a privacy issues. Oh yeah, this one I got a little bit excited about selflessly because uh, I own a, I own an early Mall S. But um, John Carmack, who's of course a famous uh, computer scientist, uh, uh, mostly famous for for video game development, he, he founded uh, ID Software that uh, created the engine, the first really three D graphic engines for video games in the nineties. He was behind in the video games like Doom and Quake, which uh, if you're familiar with the video game industry, without those games, you don't have the the Call of Duties and. Uh, Halo and all that stuff. Like he was very instrumental in uh, in making that happen. And uh, more more recently, uh, he was most known mostly known for Oculus, where he uh, he was the CTO for Oculus for a long time. And more recently, decided to leave Oculus, or at least leave his day to day responsibility Oculus to focus on uh, general uh, AI. He's uh, big on general artificial intelligence. Um. Which kind of interesting timing with Tesla AI day happening, and uh, now John Carmack this week he was asked uh, on Twitter. He's a big Twitter user, like Elon, but maybe not as much as Elon. Uh, he was asked on it if he would do a video game or video game engine, especially for Tesla vehicles, because we know that Tesla is big on video games inside their cars. And he didn't answer the question, but he did. <laughs> offered a completely other comment that's very interesting. He said, I did kind of volunteer to help them fix what I consider very poor user interface performance on older Model S that I drive. He owns a Model S. Um, their engineer had been sharing data with me. So what he's saying is that Tesla is directly working with him in order to improve uh, the user uh, interface on the older Model S here. So and this this if if someone can help on that front that it's John Carmack because if you think about him the the guy that that's been his whole thing for a long time like to get great performance out of subpar or at least common hardware like right. he, he managed to get Quake and Doom running on personal computers in the nineties uh, very very early on get some I mean great graphic for the time right. uh, on there and then more recently i mean that that that's the the success of oculus has been with the um, oculus uh, quest the standalone headset so all, all all i shouldn't say all but most of the other vr headset all relied on a very powerful gaming computer that you connect the headset to to run things when uh, Facebook's Oculus became very popular is when they managed to have a standalone handset that could run significant games and you don't need any other computer interface or anything like that. You just put the headset on and it works. So to have a whole computer capable of running high-performance games all in a little headset, it's all about managing your compute power and everything like that. So Carmack is an expert at that stuff. So this, this is very interesting. You could you could really improve the performance of older vehicles that have the uh, old MCU, just, which is kind of getting dated. My question, though, is like, how come he's got an old Tesla? Like, I feel like he should have enough money to upgrade. Here. I think he likes to uh, play with older stuff like uh, the... Uh, he, he had this whole uh, Ferrari that he had for a long time that he, he just kept modding himself uh, and stuff like that. So maybe he's doing the same with his Tesla. I don't know, but he's a, he's an interesting character. Like if you ever, uh, I'm a big, I'm very big on VR, and I like to watch. Um, I mean, not, I probably won't do it anymore. But uh, at the big Oculus event every year, he had the big technical presentation where he goes deep into like what's happening. Where are the limitation of VR right now, and what we're doing to uh, push it further? And it's always super exciting. Uh, he's he's great as uh, like explaining the technical stuff, but also like familiarizing for for the peasants like us. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting because also Elon has been trying to get Carmack. 
to work for him for a long time right. and, and not necessarily at tesla that's what's the interesting part too like now he's literally like working with tesla on this but uh carmack um in the early 2000s, he developed a big interest on rocketry, and uh, he, he became like an amateur uh, rocket scientist, like launching his own tiny rockets. And then he created his own company with that uh, Amarillo uh, Aerospace, and uh, he uh, he won a bunch of competition with that company, like a, a Google X competition uh, uh, for a lunar lander and all that stuff. Like he he did some very great stuff at uh, uh, Amarillo for for a while until he paused it and moved to Oculus, but. Um, Elon, of course, has his own very significant interest in uh, in rocketry, and he tried to get Carmack to come work with uh, with him at SpaceX, but he never uh, took the opportunity. And now, what I like, I like the timing of like, no, now I was working on this Tesla stuff with these engineers, and at the same time, there was the Tesla AI uh, day happening, and we know that Carmack has a big interest on uh, artificial intelligence, so mm, maybe something to keep an eye on. Yeah, that would that would be like a giant news if uh, Tesla is able to land Carmack. Uh, I mean, we don't we don't have a, a CTO at Tesla right now. Though I would argue that uh, Drew Baglino would deserve the CTO position at Tesla more than anyone else. Uh, guy has been there forever and uh, has uh, made some credible contribution to Tesla. So, but still, all right. Um, we got some some U.S. sales number for electric vehicles for the first half of 2021. So some interesting uh, data here. Of course, Tesla is still the big leader, but it's eroding a little bit. Their market share is eroding. It's still, I mean, they're still responsible for the majority of the uh, of the of the sales this year in in the country. Um, 66 percent of the EV market in the U.S. of the first half of 2021 is Tesla, uh, compared to 79 percent for the whole year last year. Uh, and 2020, like uh, I know people were like, ah, it's you shouldn't really compare things with 2020 because of what happened last year uh, with the pandemic. But in, in terms of electric vehicle, it's still it's still a decent point of comparison because electric vehicle sales still grew last year uh, versus the prior year, while gasoline car sales went down versus the prior year for obvious reasons. But yeah, uh, Experian is out with the new registration data saying that uh, this year during the first half. 214,000 electric vehicles were sold in the country versus 98,000 last year. So more than double. And again, 60% of the market, 66% of the market is still Tesla vehicle. GM comes distant second at 9.6%. And uh, Ford is now uh, creeping up at third position with 5.2% thanks to the, the Mac E. And I mean, it, go, it goes to show like just how like just a few vehicle can change the whole market here because like 66% is Tesla right now. And 66% is, is mold three and mold Y because of course, mold S and S were in existence this year until like until June and, uh, and barely, then, yeah, barely in June and barely in January. So like they don't have much of an impact. So it's mold three, mold Y 66%, <laughs> like let's say 60% of the market. And then Chevy bought EV at 9.6%, even though like it also has its own limitation. Uh, there's the fire controversy, of course, but even before that, like we know that the Bolt EV is on. It's it's at the end of the program, really. Like GM is focusing on the Altium now and everything. So, right. And we uh, so with that, with those 214,000 car, it's the equivalent of 2.5% of the U.S. market. So. Obviously, kind still of small but growing. Yeah, small but growing. But we also again, and one new car into the market, and it's it's a game changer. Like uh, I think there's a lot of things that's gonna change the the market in the U.S. in the coming months. Uh, VW with the ID4 local production, I think is gonna yeah. be a big deal because I, I mean, you see now they're not in the top three, but even though the ID4 is being delivered, but it's being delivered in extremely low volume from whatever they can spare. Uh, from the European market coming to the U.S. I have seen a few out and about, though. It's weird. Yeah, you have? Yeah, it's weird because they they look a little bit like a normal Volkswagen, but, you know, they have the the front end that's very unique. And, uh, you know, you don't expect them because they they haven't been Mm -hmm. around. Oh, no. Um, And I think I've seen more uh, VWs than even Mustang Mach-E's. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, ID4 is not available in Canada just yet, but uh, the Mac keys I've seen here a lot, really, which is kind of surprising because they they're not cheap, right? In Canadian dollars, 
so yeah, I mean, uh, VWID for local production is going to be a big deal. The the U.S. is, I mean, because of uh, pickup trucks is are just so important here. Like the, they are literally the majority of the passenger car market. It's it's insane. Um, you you need electric options in this segment to to really make a difference. And so so this is going to be a big deal with Rivian finally starting delivery soon. And then uh, next year is going to be the big the bigger deal with the. Uh, with the F-150 Lightning, but we're going to get into that right now. So Rivian sent out an update last weekend to the reservation holders, Uh, just uh, a letter from RJ Scarringe, the the CEO, basically giving an update on a bunch of different parts of the business. Of course, production is the most important right now because the deliveries were supposed to start in July. They didn't. The production has been delayed uh, to September. But now it's uh, it sounds like everything is in place. It's going to happen because uh, in in the in the letter, RJ explained that uh, the latest pre-production vehicles that they built at the factory uh, meet all their quality standards. And we and we this is encouraging because we know like they've been very thorough in their testing of the of the vehicle. We've seen them for years out there, and in recent months, we've seen a lot of test vehicles out there. So it sounds like they got it dialed in, and now the vehicles that are coming out of the factories are customer ready. Uh, So they said that at this point, it's about uh, government approval. So they need the authorization, the green light from the EPA and NHTSA. And uh, once they have that, uh, they can start delivering the vehicles really. So it it does sound like the September timeline is becoming extremely likely at this point. So this is is great news. Of course, the fact that they are now producing vehicles that are customer ready in terms of quality doesn't mean much in terms of volume. Like volume is uh, the ramp up is going to be the important thing to track after that. But first deliveries are coming in September, it sounds like. Um, of course, it, it, now if you start your customer deliveries, then you need to have the infrastructure around it too. That's very important. And that will probably tell you where the first deliveries are going to go to because RJ mentioned that uh, Riven has now five service centers up and running in the U.S., one in Blue- Brooklyn, New York, one in Bellevue, Washington, one in Normal, Illinois, one in San Francisco, California, one in El Segundo, uh, California. El Segundo, that's, uh, that's in uh, the LA area, right? Los Angeles area? Right? Yeah, it's oh. right by the airport. Oh, yeah, 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 right. So they have a lot of big markets covered, and uh, they're going to go like the, the Tesla way. They're going to go with mobile service, too. So they have uh, they use the van, the same van that they produce for Amazon, and they fit that for mobile service. So they're going to be able to cover more area. But for now, I would assume that the deliveries are going to be for those areas to start with. But the goal is to have uh, over 100 service center open by the end of 2023. So this is kind of a midterm goal. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna probably see a lot more uh, coming out, and they're also talking about their uh, charging network. Uh, you're gonna see more stations soon. We we previously reported on the, uh, on their plans on that. Uh, they, they're gonna have a lot more coming, and they said that the Rivian mobile app is coming in early September too. So we can expect a very similar experience as you have on the Tesla app uh, with Rivian. Still with the electric pickup truck, uh, Ford, we got some information about the planned production capacity. That's uh, that's something we didn't have a lot of details about. Uh, we've heard rumbling about 80,000 units a year, but nothing confirmed. Now, Reuters came out with a report this week stating that uh, the plan now is to ramp up to 15,000 vehicles in 2022, 55,000 in 2023, and 80,000 in 2024. Um. But then, so so this is the first generation. It's going to be 2022, 2023, 2024. 80,000 was what we heard before, but that's planned for 2024. So, of course, there's always a ramp up. And then they say that the second generation coming in 2025, they're going to be aiming for a higher volume of 160,000. So this is probably about what I was expecting, to be honest. Um, it's not it's not a lot. Uh it, oh. it, it's not it's not a lot compared to the gas powered F one fifty where they sell million of those a year. So yeah. when you compare it to that, it's it's not a lot, but it's a start, and uh, and and, it, and it's decent. Like if fifteen fifty thousand doesn't sound a lot, but this is again the very first year of production. Ford doesn't. I don't think Ford said when it's coming out next year. Uh, and if they don't say that, I would always assume towards the end of the year. I think that's the safe assumption. So even fifteen thousand next year, it's not bad. Like. People, I want I want the Tesla fan out there to be ready. Like, this might be more than the Cybertruck next year. Like, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised by that 
at all if yeah. there's more f-150 lightning delivered than the cybertruck where i would put my money on though is a faster ramp up from tesla than than, than from ford uh, not that this is necessarily a bad ramp up fifteen thousand to fifty five thousand the next year but I mean, if they start production late in 2022, then it doesn't look like a great ramp up. And then 80,000 in 2024. Like I mean, they're 20, basically 20, doubling, you, you know, not not exactly, but like doubling at 15, 55, 80, 160. Yeah. But like what I'm saying is like if they start production in late 2022 and they deliver 15,000, then the whole year of 2023 at 55, it doesn't look as good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Then eighty thousand in twenty twenty four. That that's one on one point. Like at twenty twenty four, though, then I would I would think Tesla could could probably double that uh, at that at that point because like we know that when when Tesla is going for a high volume production, they they don't joke around. Yeah, and, and basically they have a whole factory just for making Cybertruck in Texas. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Although uh, one other point about that, it's kind of crazy that Ford has basically sold out all of its. They've they've already got over one hundred twenty thousand reservations, so they've mm-hmm. sold out two thousand twenty two, sold out twenty twenty three, and almost sold out twenty twenty four, um, reservation wise. Yeah, I feel like even this these numbers like they could probably did they sell did they just open a reservation to the U S though? Uh, you know I don't know. Uh, so I don't know if it's globally or not. I mean they're going okay, to sell it, everything they make. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, the reservation, I think there was just a $100 deposit, so some some of those will fall through for, for right. sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's about what I was expecting. But, like, my goal is to at least, like, by 2025, I would like to at least see in the U.S. a production capacity of over half a million uh, pickup truck per year. Because I, I, otherwise, the pickup market is going to get a big hit in the U.S., I, I think. Uh, so here in this case... It sounds like Ford could have like 160,000 capacity in 2025. And then Tesla is probably going to have in the 200,000 plus capacity. And GM with the Silverado electric could have a decent capacity too. So, yeah, I think it's very, very plausible that we have over half a million electric pickup truck production capacity a year. And uh, then you're going to see that sales of gasoline power pickup truck just crash at that point, in my opinion. All right, lastly, so last piece of news before we get into the comments and the, and the questions. So get your questions ready in there. I see we have a few, but uh, if you can do the all caps for the question, that could be very helpful. Thank you. Uh, Lucid came out this week with uh, an announcement for their Dream Editions buyers. So Lucid is also trying to deliver their first car by the end of the year. And uh, the first edition version was the Air Dream Editions. And this this car was, uh, was going to be like the top of the line version of the air with over a thousand hp with over 500 miles of range and uh, now they've changed a little bit their plans not too much to be fair but uh they they, they kind of uh readjusted a little bit where they're gonna offer two different dream editions there's gonna be the dream edition performance that's gonna have over a thousand hp of, of power and then there's gonna have the dream edition range which is gonna have the over 500 miles of range so uh, they, they didn't say the range of what's gonna be the range of the performance version but i would assume it's going to be lower than 500 miles probably not by a lot um and uh, the um the range edition is going to have over 500 miles they didn't say an, an exact apa uh all they said is that they had a test drive with motor, motor trend recently with new prototypes and uh the uh the two prototypes achieved 475 and 517 which 517 was actually what they were aiming for before so but that doesn't really mean that's going to be what the EPE is going to come up with, with with those numbers. So I wouldn't focus too much on that. But uh, in terms of the other specs, it's it's extremely similar. Like I said, like the two versions are they, they don't they, they don't change that much. Uh, the the main difference really is is the wheels. That's going to be changing your uh, your perform uh, your your range here. So the performance version comes standard with a 21 inch wheels, while the range version comes standard with a 19 inch. But you can switch those out too. You can get the 21 and the 19 for the other. Um, and again, over 1,000 HP for the performance version and 933 for the range version, which results in a 0 to 60 of 2.5 versus 2.7. So really very close in terms of specs. The big difference is again range versus a t- tiny bit more range, or a tiny bit more performance. But again, the range is going to be affected by your wheels uh, too. So always keep that in mind. 
and uh, still trying to uh, deliver by the end of the year. They, they, they showed up those new uh, badges here. So you have the P for the performance version. So it's uh, it shows that the Air Dream Edition P performance and uh, same thing, but with the R for the range version. So pretty, pretty cool badges here. Uh, I'm a fan of the big fan of the design language of uh, of uh, Lucid. I think it's a solid, solid design language. And uh, they they also like Rivian recently have been sharing updates uh, in terms of their factory production ready, uh, which are in their cases in uh, Arizona. And uh, they are they are they seem confident for delivery by the end of the year. Uh, the Dream Edition is uh, is only about five hundred deliveries. I think they're aiming for. So let's look out for that. All right. Should we get into the questions? Yep. Yeah. All right. So we talked about um, the Model 3 LFP cold weather performance. Um, so let's talk about the phone app. Uh, Dan Oberst asked, does the phone app now work in place of the FOB for older Model S and Xs? Uh, I mean, uh, it did, did always before, right? Yeah. yeah. Unless I'm mistaken, I thought it always did. Uh, to be to be fair, I don't I don't use my Model S that much uh, these days, so I will have to ask my parents. But I, I think they use the FOB, even to be honest. Though they do they also have the HAM. All right, almost 2022. Where is it, where it's at? So that could apply to many things. <laughs> uh, Probably when we're talking about the, the FSD, I would assume. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Let's see. Uh, charging speed for the LFP, we talked about mm-hmm. that. I was hoping the new app update would have an Apple Watch app. Any word about an Apple Watch app? Well, there's no. some third-party mm-hmm. uh, Apple Watch apps. You can sign in and do things like unlock and lock. Um, but, yeah, makes sense. I don't know why uh, Tesla hasn't done that yet. I imagine mm-hmm. they're thinking about something like that. All right. Moving right along. Uh, which feature would you like to see in a Tesla app? How about a watch? <laughs> um, I don't know what else. What else? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I I don't know to be honest. Like I'm, Tesla app is one of the most used app on my uh, on my phone for sure already. So they they they're they're doing pretty good. And uh, I'm supposed to get a power wall soon on my on my new place. Oh, so yeah. I, I would I would even use it more. I guess <laughs> uh, I'm big on like checking those, those those things all the time. Like I'm just uh, how much energy I'm producing and things like that. That's just it's fun to me. Like yeah, I'm a data nerd on that on that front. Um, but yeah, I can, I can think of everything like that right It would now. be nice. Um, I mean, this isn't really app specific, but it would be nice if, um, you had like profiles, like my wife and I share two Teslas. And when I get into, you know, basically what's her car, the model Y I have to, you know, I, I have to adjust the music and the, you know, stuff like that. Um, obviously I can, uh, do the drop. But doesn't menu, the car at least detect when you get in versus she get in, so for like the driver profile doesn't change. No, it's just like a drop down. I okay, mean, maybe I thought, maybe it should, but yeah, we just I do thought the they detected down. that already. Um. So I don't know what else. What else could be? Hmm. Last month, I just have for the first time let my girlfriend out of her home driver profile. In my oh car. wow, that's yeah. serious. Big that's step. Like, yeah, big step. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I actually know of something I would really like. I would like to remotely be able to see out of the cameras. Uh, oh, inside. yeah. I, I thought I thought that could be coming, too. When that, cause, uh, you have the new security. Um, is it, is that, yeah, see, you have yeah. a new security toggle on the app where you can activate surveillance with the, the, the Sentry Mobile. You could actually uh, already do that, but uh, now it's in like a different security um, section of, of the app. I thought uh, I thought it would be cool. You just click on it, and you can actually see the cameras. That's a good point. We should have our uh, nine to five Mac guys tear that thing apart. See if there's anything mm-hmm. fun in there. I forgot to ask them to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, rumor: Fremont uh, built cattle LPSR with one ninety five EPA range. I don't think that's credible. That's pretty yeah. much it for today. I mean, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I wouldn't like the if the new Model Three, if the Model Three standard range plus is getting two fifty three, how on earth the Model Y standard range plus on the LFP get two ninety five? This is so, interesting. Uh, the CTEC CCS adapter is blocked by the latest Tesla firmware. That'd be a pretty big. Uh, so that's the Korean game. one. That's the Korean adapter that uh, I think it's you, Chinese Korean. Uh, um, but yeah, you, you can buy it for. 
like three or four hundred bucks, and it's uh, it's supposed to work for fifty kilowatts. Well, Tesla is supposed to come out with their own, so maybe they're going on offensive now. You're gonna have to buy ours. Don't buy the third party one. Yeah, that's not good um, news for for those folks. Um, yeah, to to be fair, that it was already always a risk to buy to buy some of those because uh, like that in the, the when you're not an official adapter, like you're always in the gray area. It's a, not the best situation, and especially yeah. at first they were selling it for like a thousand bucks. That was a big risk. Right. All right. One last uh, question. I would like the app to adjust charge time and schedule departure time. Huh. I feel like you can do that but you know what that's for you can only do that from the screen i think yeah you can do it from the screen for sure um what i cannot even click on my charging yeah there is some charging stuff that they could add yeah i mean the, the so yeah the only thing you can do with the charging is set the limit and that that's better at least you don't even have to go on the charging screen you just you just have the toggle right away on it useful i actually just increased the charge limit that's not what i wanted to do uh we have one one more question one last one yeah uh, D- daniel zajic says will lfp make tesla more likely to allow bi-directional charging because of less degradation or would that eat into power wall sales um i don't think it's any more likely i, th- I think the uh regular lithium batteries are fine for bi-directional charging um, but, but Tesla already indicated that uh, starting with the Cybertruck, they're going to move to bidirectional charging. So, I think I think I think it's safe that uh, that's coming. I think they are like Tesla is. This is one of the few times like Tesla on the market is always on the EV market, always the market leader, always like twisting the arm of the rest in the industry to follow them on your product, like on connectivity products, especially uh, software over the air software updates and, and stuff like that. But from that bidirectional charging stuff, I think uh, Hyundai coming out with the Ionic, making it the big features. Uh, Ford with the F one fifty Lightning, yep. making it a big feature. I think now they're like, all right, like we we're gonna have to do it. Uh, so I think it's coming. Also, it makes makes more sense with bigger battery pack, and Cybertruck is for sure gonna have a bigger battery pack. So yeah, and I do think yeah, he's right when he says would that eat into Powerwall sales? I think maybe Tesla would rather sell you a Powerwall than a yeah. bidirectional charger, but. Well, a, lot, a lot of people will want that too. They don't want to use their cars for that for obvious reasons, but I don't think Tesla is worried about Powerwall sales at the moment at all. All right. Well, thanks a lot, everyone, for watching. Thanks a lot for listening on your podcast app. If you can give us a five-star review on your podcast app, that would be very really appreciated. We always um, That helps the show a lot. Uh, and uh, if you're watching on YouTube, on uh, on Facebook, and everywhere, you can give us a thumbs up a like, a follow, all that thing, all that algorithm loving stuff. And uh, uh, see you next time, guys. Have a good weekend.